It is good to worship in the house of the Lord today. We're going to turn to uh, Genesis chapter 4. And kids, you're going to be in the service today. So God's got a word for you, amen? So um, let's come before the Lord as we're turning to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. And ask for the Lord's help. Heavenly Father God, Lord, we, we come before you today and we acknowledge our need for you. As the song that we just sung so well articulated, we need you, Lord. We can do nothing apart from you. We need you. You are faithful. You are good. You are a rock under our feet. And Father, I pray that your spirit would begin to move upon our hearts, even now, anticipating the word that we're going to hear and that you would begin to be causing us to call out as the people of God to call upon the name of the Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would minister to us where we need, that as we've come into church today or maybe we're listening online right now, that you would be speaking a word directly to our hearts right where we need it most and that we would get a vision of you and the privilege and the joy and the sweet blessing it is to be able to come to you, to come to you and pray, to come to you and seek your face and honor your name and live for your glory. And I just pray now, Lord, that you would meet with us afresh, that we would be encouraged and uplifted and strengthened and blow upon us with your spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I could remember, this is over 20 years ago now, getting startled awake many, many, many times in boot camp in the Marine Corps. I mean, we're talking like zero dark 30, all of a sudden trash cans are banging, drill instructors are lining up, screaming, everybody out of your beds, Throw all your, your, your comforters down under the ground. Take all the stuff into your locker and just toss it onto the floor. And it was like, it was a rude awakening. It wasn't a sweet awakening, but it was an awakening. And it, it, it was an opportunity for them to teach us discipline and to teach us how to, to, to hold fast under pressure, under fire, in the midst of the difficulties of battle. They were preparing soldiers. So it wasn't just like we were getting woke up in the middle of the night for no reason. There was a purpose behind the awakening. And in the, the, the Marine Corps, they're, they're awakening the warrior inside of you. That's what that's about. And there's awakenings in Scripture. Sometimes the Lord brings about an awakening in Scripture to something we've long forgotten. Maybe it's a simple truth that we've long forgotten and He awakens us to it. Maybe it's something so primal, so necessary, so needful for the human soul, but God begins to move in such a way to awaken us to our need. And my prayer for today, whether we're in here or we're listening online, Wherever the Lord has us today, that our hearts would just be gripped 
that we'd be leaning in and thinking about what God might want to say to us from His Word. Have you been awakened ever before to something that you understood at one time, but it becomes so new, so fresh, so revitalized in your heart that you're blown away? That's what is happening in the text before us in Genesis. Because it says in Genesis 4 and verse 26, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. And there was an awakening, a prayer awakening. It was like, you had all the darkness of Genesis 3 and Genesis 4 just beating down on you. And then out of all of that, out of the wreckage of sin and brokenness, and the brokenness that's touched you and I, and, and touches the world we live in, and touches our hearts, God begins to speak, and God begins to move, and God begins to call people to Himself. And people begin to call on the name of the Lord. I can remember, it was about 20 years ago now, I was probably just a few years younger than Caleb. And I heard a message, this was on cassette, back in the day when there was these little boxes that you had little tapes that you put inside and they played like a little strip of ribbon and sounds came out, right? <laughs> I listened to a sermon. And this sermon was so powerful that I was hearing it on cassette and it was about prayer and God just revolutionized my heart. And I just began to see prayer in glorious ways. I didn't see it like as a chore anymore where I thought like, I, okay, we're, we're about to talk about prayer. So everybody's going to get discouraged. Everybody's going to feel like, oh, we're going to have to pray more. I, feel, I can feel already that I don't pray enough. I can feel already that tension building in my soul because I don't feel like I know how to pray. I can, I can feel myself when I try to come to God to try to get all like spiritual, like I've got it all cleaned up, right? It's like I'm about to talk to the Lord now. Okay, so we're going to get King James, King James, Elizabethan, English, break that all out. And God was revolutionizing the way I was thinking. He was just, he was just calling me to come to Him as I am. Like a normal person, a normal human being, not like a King James mutant where you're like basically talking in a language nobody listens to anymore, right? You come to God as you are. And I was listening to this preacher talk about like you can come to God whether you're at a gas station, whether you're in your bedroom, whether you're at the dinner table, whether you're listening to fire trucks come down the street, you can pray for the ambulance as they come. You can pray for people when they're in need. You can pray for people before service, after service. You can engage with people and ask them, like, how can I pray for you? And then you can have an opportunity to pray. And it, it began to take this thing called prayer out of the realm of duty into delight. It, it began to take this thing so, called calling upon the name of the Lord 
And it wasn't this rote ritual. It wasn't this mechanical thing. It was just breaking me down so I was on my knees before God just being me. In all my brokenness, in all my mess. And perhaps the Lord is calling you to that kind of a prayer life today. You bring yourself as you are to God. You don't clean up. You don't try to get like all formal and weird. You come to God as you are. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. He knows where you're at. He knows if you're running from Him or you're falling down on your knees adoring Him. So just come as you are. Oftentimes we say that, right? About getting saved. You don't clean up to come to Jesus. You go to Jesus to get cleaned up. You don't take your mess and go, okay, i got to polish this messiness a little bit so I get good enough for Jesus. But you come to the Savior as you are, just as I am. So, I began to get stabbed awake to this thing called prayer, and I started to fall in love with prayer. And that's what I'm praying and that's what I'm longing happens in every one of our hearts. And I want it to happen to me afresh. I was crying out this morning like, Lord, awaken my heart once again. Because we got to be reminded of these things, right? Awaken my heart once again so I'm amazed at this thing called prayer. And it's been said that prayer is simply the desire the opportunity, and the privilege of talking to God. It's the desire, the opportunity, and the privilege of talking to God. You mean you get to talk to the God of the universe? There's a reason there's gravity in our hearts before prayer. But we have somebody who can introduce us to the Father. And Jesus reminds us that He is the way. So when you read Genesis 4.26, you need to remember that this is before Christ, and at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. But this thing called prayer is made possible and energized by the triune God. And the Son always introduces people. Jesus always introduces people into the deep reality of talking to God. And He actually hears us because of what Jesus has done. The Old Testament saints looked forward to the day that He would come. And we look back at the reality that He has come and He does save. And He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the door into a life of prayer. And perhaps you're here today and you know that, but you've slowly over time just kind of closed the door on prayer. You've slowly kind of said, yeah, I can do this reading God's Word thing. I can come to church on Sunday. I can do a Bible study here and there. But this thing called prayer, we're just going to kind of close that door. 
just a little bit. I mean, we'll leave it a creek open. I might say a prayer over a meal or something. But this thing called prayer that, that is about cultivating a relationship with God, it's gotten foreign. And we're being awakened once again in Genesis to the most primitive spiritual reality of Christianity and of every believer throughout all times. And it started in Genesis, right? The first people to pray, the first people who had a relationship with God were Adam and Eve. They talked with God. They walked with Him in the garden. There was a relationship. There was unhindered access to the Lord. Unhindered access to God. A sweet relationship. There was no shame. There was no fear. There was no anxiety. There was just you and the Lord. And complete peace. And then sin, we find in Genesis 3, as Adam and Eve believe the word of Satan over the word of God, sin enters the world as they eat of the fruit. And something happens to this thing called prayer. And instead of Adam and Eve flourishing in the garden, talking to God, they're on the run. I'll have you look back, actually, to verse 8 of chapter 3. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And God calls out to Adam and says, where are you? Instead of flourishing in this relationship with God, they're on the run. They're hiding among the trees. They're afraid of God now because sin has so swallowed their life that they feel estranged from God and they no longer have that sweet communion with God and prayer becomes very hard. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need somebody to make us right. That's why we need Jesus to cover our sin. When He died on the cross, He died as a substitutionary sacrifice. For He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So God had to do something about our sin problem in order to get us back connected to the Father. So there's a reason why prayer is difficult now this side of the fall. Sin has marred things. Sin has messed things up. And last week we spent a good deal of time seeing how worship was fractured. And one son of Adam and Eve worshiped the Lord in a wicked way, in a selfish way in a God-belittling way. And another one came in faith and he had friendship with God and communion. And there's these two ways to live. And God is calling us today to remember just what Genesis chapter 4 and verse 26 says. What does it say? Say it with me out loud. 
at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. We'll try that again. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Is it any wonder that the beginning of the Bible starts out with, with, with man in need reaching up to God, humbling himself? If you want anything of value, anything that will last, anything that will satisfy your soul, it has to begin with crying out to God in your real need, with the real you. Because God can see through the subterfuge of fakeness and hollowness and hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is putting a face on and pretending before God and others. But God can see that. But men at that time began to truly call on the name of the Lord. And that is the heart of revival. Sometimes we look back on revivals and we go, that was amazing what God did in that moment. And in that time, and it sounds like a foreign thing that God did once, but He's never going to do again. And it's not true. Because all revival begins at a specific point in time. And it begins with a renovation of our own souls when we begin to call upon the name of the Lord. I can remember talking with a young woman who was dying with cancer. And she had been so beat up and broken down by cancer. She was 28, 29 years old. And so hopeless, so discouraged, so needing help. And I remember it came to this place where I encouraged her. Cancer may be eating your body. Cancer may be eating your soul. But true healing can begin in your heart when you bow down and you call upon the name of the Lord and you get forgiveness of your sins. This cancer was awakening her to her need for God. This cancer was awakening her to the desperate need that nothing can happen to me ultimately and finally if God is for me and I'm in Him and I've been forgiven and I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you can take my body, but I've been forgiven by God and I'm headed home to glory. Nothing of value spiritually will happen in your soul unless you truly call out to God and call upon His name. And maybe where you're at today is feeling deeply and profoundly your need for God. And perhaps you've been slumbering. Perhaps you've been like me when I was in the Marine Corps and I was slumbering and I was on a cot and everything's going great and all of a sudden life gets hectic and you're getting rattled and you're getting shook out of bed and, and things are happening to you and you don't know why and it's because God is knocking saying, I'm calling to you. 
I'm calling to you. Will you call out to me? Will you come through Jesus, my son? Will you awaken once again to what it means to truly bring the real you to me and watch what I do in your soul? This was a time when a whole family began to experience revival and a whole line and lineage was affected by this reality that God brings about renewal when people begin to call on His name. And ultimately, it's picked up in the New Testament when the Apostle Paul is talking about preaching the Gospel. And, and how are people going to know about Jesus if you don't send a preacher or you don't send missionaries? How are they going to hear? And in the middle of that discussion, he says in Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's how they're going to know they need God. You got to tell them the gospel, and then you got to tell them to call on the name of the Lord. And the same is true of you and I. You could be a Christian in here for years, 30 years, 40 years, 10 years, and God is calling you. Get on your knees and call upon my name and watch what I do. Watch how your life changes. Watch how things get revolutionized. Watch how I take your problems and I shape you through them and you begin to call out in a real way like, Lord, I need you. Oh, how I need you. And then you get that sweet blessing of a relationship where God is meeting you as you are and you're talking to Him and it feels real because it is. And all of the facades and all of the masks have been thrown down and you come as you are and you call upon the name of the Lord. And this thing is not just in one place in the Bible. Again and again, God calls His people to a repentance and renewal around this issue. Listen to 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is one of my favorite verses, and it always rebukes me, encourages me, and lifts my soul to God. And this was after the dedication of the temple that Solomon had made, and he prayed that God would hear His people when His people begin to call on Him, when they get real with Him, and they come to Him, and they pray in this temple, and around this temple, and towards this temple, and God speaks to Solomon and says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people who are called by my name, he's talking to believers. If my people will humble themselves. If you're proud hearted and self-sufficient and I'm just independent, I don't need God, you are not going to humble yourselves and come to God in prayer. Right? Prayer is an acknowledgement of humility. It's an acknowledgement of need. It's an acknowledgement you need God. And it's an expression of faith. And if we think 
that we can come to God with a proud heart and a mask on and then we get disappointed. We're like, God didn't answer that. That prayer thing's not working for me. But maybe you didn't come real. Maybe you didn't come broken. Maybe you didn't come humble. And maybe you didn't keep knocking. Jesus stands at the end of the Bible and He says, I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking. He's outside the church of Laodicea who's lukewarm, who's being spit out of His mouth and He's knocking and He's saying, I want to come in. But will my people call upon the name of the Lord? So if we're going to lift our hearts to God, we're going to have to bow our knees before God. The famous missionary Jim Elliott once said that the distance between the God who's sovereign in heaven and us at His footstool is just but a knee's distance. You just have to kneel and talk to your Father. And He hears He's in control of it all. He knows every hair on your head. He knows he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He feeds the sparrows. He clothes the lilies. How much more is he going to do for you? It's just a knee's distance. But that kneeling is coming to the Lord with humility. So revival's got to begin. It's got to be producing humility in our soul. It begins with a calling out on the Lord and calling upon the Lord is a personal thing. Look at verse 26 one more time. And the people began to call upon the name of the Lord. It's a personal thing. Prayer is a personal thing. It's a relational thing. It's a a thing that touches your soul. It's a thing that speaks to you deep within. As you connect with God, you connect with your Creator. You were made for it. There's a reason why the original creation involved Adam and Eve talking with God in the garden. There was connection. And we, ever since the fall, have longed for that connection. And we worship one way or another. We might worship the things of this earth. We might worship a relationship. We might be making substitute saviors all over the place that we're bowing down to. It might be a relationship that's unhealthy. It might be a substance that you're abusing. It might be a proud heart. It might be you're making yourself in the place of God. But ultimately and finally, God is calling you person to person to come to Him. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. So prayers, it's beautiful because it's about intimacy with your Maker. It's about bowing before your Maker, but coming to know Him. It's the way you come to know God. You read His Word, He speaks to you, and you cry out to Him, and He hears you. And then He begins to answer prayers, and then He begins to mold and shape you, and then you begin to become more like Jesus. And it's this beautiful relationship that's forged when men and women begin to call upon the name of God. Look with me briefly at Genesis 5. 
21, just one chapter over, we see the intimacy of one person within this genealogy that stands out. This is a genealogy of death. Okay, It keeps saying people lived, they had children, and they died. People lived, they had children, and they died. And the seventh man down was a man called Enoch. And it says, Genesis 5.21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. And after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 uh, years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now focus on that phrase, he walked with God. That's a Hebrew idiom for relationship, intimacy, ongoing communion with God. It's worship, it's relationship, it's, it's, it's a, a sweet thing that he experienced. And it's the same word that's used of Adam and Eve walking in the garden and God walking in the cool of the garden. And it's the same word that's used of Noah. He's a man who walked with God in chapter 6. What does it mean for us to just walk with the Lord, to live for Him? It's this thing that begins to happen in your soul as a Christian when you get ignited by God's Word and you get ignited for a heart to pray to God and you begin to long for God and He begins to satisfy you and He begins to feed that hunger in your soul that deep down you know exists and you've been suppressing your whole life until you meet Jesus and now you're hungry for God. The problem is sometimes we stop eating the meals and we shrivel up and we wither and we need to be reminded with men like Enoch what intimacy with God looks like. It was a continual calling upon God. It it was a talking to God about life's struggles and difficulties. How many of you just bear your heart out to God? How many of you in here today are just talking to God about your pain, your struggles, your fears, your worries. When you begin to talk to God like that, you begin to realize you've got a great friend. He'll never let you down. He'll never betray you. He always works for your good. He's ever living to make intercession for you. He sent His Spirit into your life if you're a Christian. And He is calling you and beckoning you to come talk to Him. Come. Is it any wonder that Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. You're praying to your daddy. And I don't know what image that evokes in you, but this daddy's good. This daddy's pure. This daddy's right. This daddy never lets you down. But maybe you sit here today and you're on the run. You're afraid to talk to God because of what you've done. You're afraid to talk to God because of maybe it's been a long time and the door's been shut 
And God is just saying, I'm knocking. Will you come? Will you be like Enoch and, and walk with me and talk with me? And Enoch, he was taking God home with him every day in prayer. He was taking God home every day with, in prayer. And then one day, the one person, or one of two people in the Old Testament who don't see death. Because God takes Enoch home. What a beautiful reality that is. He just had such a heart for God, he got lifted up. And he didn't taste death. And it's, a, it's a, a foretaste of what would come for the people of God later who call upon the name of the Lord. Because one day, resurrection is coming for the people of God because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And though He die, yet He shall live if you believe in Me. But you see, Enoch is a glimmer of hope because in a world of death where everybody dies and everything is headed that direction, we see that for the man whose heart is ablaze for God, who loves the Lord, who comes to the Lord in prayer, he's taken up in a way where death is defeated. He's snatched from the jaws of death and his son would be the oldest man who ever lived. God blesses a life of intimacy and communion with Him. He blesses it when people come to the altar of God and they cry out and call upon the name of the Lord. That's why Enoch is in the Bible. And Enoch is mentioned all over the Bible in different places, right? He walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Well, listen to Hebrews 11, 5, and 6. This is what it says. This is so cool about Enoch. But by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, must believe that He exists and rewards those who seek Him. You know what Enoch is teaching us? That when you come in faith to God and you call upon His name and you believe Him and you trust Him and you trust His promises and, and, and every week we get into His promises and every week we're unfolding something new and every week... God is speaking to you. And when you feast on that and you begin to talk to God about it, oh, that's pleasing to the Lord. Did you ever realize you can please God? Sometimes we can talk about the Christian life. You, you can never please God. He, he's so mad at you all the time and it's awful. No, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But if you're trusting the Lord, you're coming to Him, He's just, he's a father. He loves you. He's going to discipline you. He's going to convict you of sin. He's going to call you out of those inappropriate things. He's going to call you out of walking in darkness. He's going to call you out of living for yourself and living foolishly. He's going to wake you up. He's going to shake you awake. He's going to come when he needs to and sound the alarm and awaken his people so there's a prayer awakening so we begin to get in our hearts that we need this king and the fuel of a relationship that pleases God is the people begin to call on the name 
of the Lord. The last thing I see briefly as I'm contemplating this week, just wanting us to get this, wanting us to have in our hearts an affection for prayer and a desire for it, is that when people begin to call on the name of the Lord, glorious things happen. Glorious thing ha things happen. God loves to answer prayer. He delights in hearing from His children. He loves to answer prayer. He doesn't always do it on our time schedule, and He doesn't always give us the things we ask for. He'll give us something better than we ask for. You don't want to always get everything you ask for, because sometimes we ask for foolish stuff. Every parent in here knows, right? You're not going to give your kids everything they ask for. All right? They might be wandering out into 30-degree weather with shorts and a T-shirt on. And your Father knows what you need, and He cares for us, and He loves us. And so when we come to Him, redemption happens. When we come to Him, transformation happens. When we come to Him, renewal happens. And that's what we see all through the Psalms. So I want to read to you one psalm here. Psalm 25 and verse 1. This is David who had a heart for God, who loved prayer. And this is what he had to say. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. God's not going to put you to shame. And when you lift your soul up to Him, you won't be ashamed. The ones who will be ashamed are the ones who are wantonly treacherous, who are longing for other things, not God. Make me know your ways. Have you ever prayed like that? Lord, make me know your ways. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your laws. Teach me your ways. Help me know this book. Give me a heart for the things of God. It begins when we call out to the Lord with our Bibles open. Lord, speak. Your servant hears. Lead me in your truth, verse 5. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And perhaps God is speaking to you today and saying, today is the day I want you to humble yourself, lift up your soul to me and trust me. Trust my promises. Trust my way. Trust the way of prayer. Trust the way of self, not self-reliance, but God-dependence. Trust the way that bows your knee and your heart and you get lifted up to heaven like Enoch. There have been times where I was just like, this is too sweet, Lord. This thing that you're doing when I pray, when I seek You, when I honor Your Word, when I love You, and I'm coming to You before the throne of grace, and I'm coming to prayer meetings, and I'm coming to services engaged, and I'm seeking to have a heart for prayer. When you do this thing, it's magical and beautiful and amazing, and my soul sings. And you cry out with David. Oh, Lord. I need you. Make me to know your ways. Teach me your paths and lead me and guide me and direct me. We've got so much to tell God. We've got so much to learn from Him. We've got so much to behold 
and to be blessed by when we come before the throne of grace and get help. And maybe verse 11 of Psalm 25 is where we need to start. For your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. That's a great prayer. That's David and his heart for God. And he knows, Lord, if there's anything that's going to be happening vertically, I need to deal with my heart honestly before you. And God may be calling you today to come afresh to him. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge you need him. Put your trust in Jesus. Because we can come to church playing games or we can get real before the throne of grace. Amen? Amen. We can think about going to a prayer service and that would be a great idea once upon a time, by and by. And we can get real about our heart for God and begin to commit our lives to being a people who pray, to being a church who prays, to being a city on a hill, to being salt and light, to being people who are connected to God in such a way that, that the life of God is flowing out of them and the gospel's all over them and the joy of the Lord is their strength. So 20 years ago, God taught me. That's where the action is at. When men and women, boys and girls, begin to call on the name of the Lord. So let's pray right now. And as we're praying, maybe God has been speaking to you. And I want you to just open your heart, lean in to what he has to say and do in your soul right now. Father God, I just pray, Father, for your word. It doesn't come back void. You do work with your word. You do surgery in our souls. You call us to call upon your name. And maybe we have struggled. Maybe we've closed the door to prayer. Maybe we've given up on prayer because we feel like it's so hard and it's so difficult and, and it seems so formal, but we've forgotten to bring the real us to you. Maybe we're caught up in sin and we don't want to talk to you because we've just been living in darkness. Maybe we've been putting on the mask, putting on the faces, putting on the smiles, but deep down we're cold, we're broken, and you are just speaking to our hearts and saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, the only qualification that we need to have in a moment like this is to be weary and broken and come to you with real faith, with our real hearts and lay them out before you. So, Father, if there's people in here today that just need to commit afresh, they need to come to the altar. They need to come to the altar of prayer. They need to come to a place where they're calling out to you. They need to come to a place where they've, they've sensed, this is what I need to be doing. I need this connection. I need this hope. I need this grace. I need this help. And, Father, if there are some there, I pray that this would be a day of commitment. Not a day to say that was an encouraging message, but I'm going to wait on that. Today, 
is the day that you always call us to repent of sin, trust in you, and make fresh commitments of faith. So, Father, I pray, move among us in power and cause us to rise up out of our seats if we need to. Cause us, Lord, to make and put some, some, some faith behind the things we profess deep in the corners of our soul. Help us, Lord, to be a people who fall in love with prayer. And may the prayer awakening happen here at Smithfield. In Jesus' name, amen.